0: Hey, welcome to the Faith NFM podcast. We appreciate your time today, and we encourage you to head on over to faithnfm.com, where you can find the notes for this presentation, as well as links to all that's happening around Faith Assembly. Our hope is that this message helps move you forward in your faith journey. Well, good morning. Hope you're doing well today. Today I want to talk to you about knowing the message that matters, the the greatest message. I don't know about you, have you ever uh, communicated or had a conversation with somebody where you gave them exactly what you wanted them to hear, you spoke to them, you thought you delivered that message so eloquently and soft on their ears, and then a little bit later come to find out they didn't receive anything that you had to say. Parents in the room, you know, you send your kid, hey, go upstairs, clean your room. They go upstairs, they, they clean the room and uh, they're over here. You come up 15 minutes later, the room still looks like a disaster. Or maybe if I have any employers in the room, right? You know, you, you, you give that employee a task to do, somebody you're managing and And at the end of the day, you scratch your head and you're like, how can they not do what I told them to do? I was as crystal clear as can be. Or maybe if you're married, right? You sit down with your spouse. You tell them what you need to tell them. And then you come back a little bit later and they still didn't understand what you were saying and didn't do what, they, what you asked, right? Like, men, we're the best listeners in the room. Can I get an amen? And now I hear some, like, ladies laughing really hard. They're like, okay, that's uh, maybe a stretch, right? So today we're going to talk about this message that the Apostle Paul communicates. We're moving into this series in the next few weeks called Skipping the Small Talk. See, Paul told and talked and preached and taught these individuals in Galatia a specific message, this gospel message that was built around Jesus. He was the foundation and he teaches them in an eloquent way. And then he comes back and he realizes they didn't receive exactly what he needed them to receive for their benefit. Now, we're here in this place right here on on our, 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 our church Sunday morning, and there's one thing that I want you to capture is this, that we believe that the Bible is the authoritative, infallible word of God. Now, you might be new with us or checking us out for the first time. We believe the foundation of our worldview begins here in this book, that everything that we are moving toward is rooted here. That's where we get our values from. That's where we get our thoughts, in a sense, our, our ideal thoughts from. That's the, 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 the setting, the, the temperature, the gauge in our life is the word. So we gather together to learn the greatest, most unique message known to all man. And it's a message and it's the greatest and there's no other gospel but this one. Now, the Bible is composed of 66 different books. We have 39 in the Old Testament, 27 in the New Testament, okay? And then we also see the central figure. His name is Jesus. Jesus is the message. Jesus is the good news that Paul teaches about. Every book in some way, shape, or form found in the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, is centralized, circling around Jesus, the Old Testament points to Jesus coming, the New Testament teaches about Jesus, the uh, book of Acts proclaims Jesus, the epistles affirm Jesus, and Revelation says he's coming back. So that's what we're talking about, that's what we're looking at today. The issue is this. We know a lot of messages out there. We know a lot of information out there. We can receive information at a high capacity in this modern age like no other time before. And a lot of us know the messages that are out there better than the message we should know in here. Let me, let me put it this way. Some of you can give me the top 10 running backs in your fantasy football team league. You can tell me their yards per carry. You can tell me how many points they're gonna be projected to have, who's having a phenomenal year. But yet when I ask you, what's your favorite verse, can you quote it? Ooh, that could be tough. Some of you, I got fishermen out there, right? Like you can, if someone's fishing, you can tell me where that current's gonna rip through, what you're gonna catch, what you're gonna get right there, what's biting. You can tell me all of those things, but yet can we articulate what it means to be a fisher's of men or some some people out there you know kim kardashian you can tell me who she's dating where she's vacationing and all these things about kim kardashian but when it comes to knowing the word of god you're kind of scratching your head and saying yeah pastor blake you're you're leaning into something i maybe should dial in a little bit more and just to put a little fact sheet behind this, I want us to look at some stats. They're in your handout. And the reason we always give you handouts, you can find them either at our table in our lobby when you walk in or faithnfm.com and you can click on message notes, follow along because I have these R's that I say, well, three R's, one W is if you read, write and recite, you're better to retain what we discuss this morning. Our goal is every time we come to church, we celebrate, we live inspired, and we leave here better than the way we came in. So here's some stats for us when it comes to knowing the Word of God, Bible engagement across America. One out, one third of adults in America have never even opened up a Bible, 48% of adults, okay, who claim to be Christians, now that number is kind of drifting wayside, 65% of America claims to be a Christian, out of those, 48% of those adults are disengaged from the Bible, meaning this, the Bible is a great historical text, but not a very practical how I'm going to live out my life text meaning that it doesn't really transform our lives, even though it carries the person who transforms lives. Only 5% of adults believe the Bible is transforming. And I'm always kind of mesmerized by this because only 5% believe it's transforming, but it carries the person who transforms our lives. It, It details his life, his messaging for us, our roadmap, our faith journey. Yet a lot of us don't believe it's transformational power. 11% of adults read their Bibles daily. I I found that interesting. If 65% of Americans claim to be Christians, verse in 2015 is around 75%, but if only 65 but 11% only read their Bible daily, no wonder when something happens hard in life, we take a step back. We say, I don't know if I can really engage with that issue or what's taking place because, you know, it's, it's hard right now, Pastor Blake. And that's where we need to form these habits of knowing the message that matters. Knowing the word of God. See, the challenge that I want to pose to you here at Faith Assembly is this. That in 2022... We know the word of God. We know the message that Paul is speaking about. We know the life of Jesus better than we did in 2021, that you take your relationship with Jesus to another level, that you don't just settle, but you keep pursuing. And that's what we want to talk about this morning. In Galatians, Paul is writing, let me give you a little historical context of where we find this narrative. Now, Paul is writing to a church that is getting caught up in ritualistic uh, ideas, practices. These individuals, known as Judaizers, are coming into the church and saying, You need to do this in order to be saved. Paul is saying, Nope, it's the gospel of Jesus. There's nothing you, there's nothing. I can do to earn salvation it is Jesus who went to the cross who defeated the cross three days later rose from the grave came for is coming for each and every one of us who believe in him therefore we are saved salvation redemption grace love radical mercy is found in Jesus that's what we believe that's what Paul is teaching there's nothing else well, here's the issue that's arising. It's actually uh, quite big in this time in the first century is this, this issue of circumcision ar- along with other legalistic practices. So they're saying, hey, do we need to do this in order to be saved? And Paul's saying, no, you need to believe in Jesus that he's the son of God and you will be saved. So we see this in verse 6 join me of Galatians chapter 1 you can follow along it's in your handout as we march through this morning so Paul's writing i am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel so he's perplexed he's mesmerized he's almost Angry, he's frustrated because when he left them in the second missionary journey, they were getting it. They were understanding. And yet now he's coming back and saying, Wait, someone that's a little bit of a smooth talker is coming in telling you need to do this plus some of this and add a little more to that and then you will be saved. Paul's saying, I'm astonished that you let that deceitfulness enter into your church. And it's not just one church, it's multiple churches that Paul's addressing. Verse 7, we continue, Not that there is another one. Another gospel meaning, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. That's what we're talking about. It's being polluted at this time. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you gospel contrary to the one I preach to you, let him be accursed. So Paul is saying, in fact, if I come at that time and tell you something different than what I told you prior, don't listen to me. So he says this one time in these four verses, and then he doubles down and he says this in verse nine, and as we have said before, so I now say again, if anyone is preaching you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. Let him be cursed because that is not right. That is not what God has sent me to do, and that needs to be ignored. Verse 10, and and he says, this is Paul speaking for his authority, and he goes, for am I now speaking the approval of man or of God, or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. See, God used over 40 different authors to communicate his words for us. Paul being one of them, and he's stressing, know the message, know the gospel. The gospel appears four times in these four verses. See, Paul is drawing his, from his Roman military, his Roman citizenship practice. And what would happen is whenever Rome would go into battle, they would send the news of that battle back to the capital city. So they'd send a messenger. So that messenger would carry the good news when the battle was victorious. When the messenger would carry that good news, there was also a reward waiting for him at the capital. So it's like this gospel that is happening. The good news of Jesus isn't just cognitively knowing about Jesus, but knowing that there's an inheritance that's following that message. That's what we need to capture. That's what we need to understand. So if there's only one message that matters, I wanna give you three points this morning that we need to dial in for 2022 is this. Number one is this, know the message. Know the message. Know the message cognitively, but wholeheartedly with your entire being. See, Paul was astonished. The Galatians were so quickly deserting the gospel. They didn't want to Uh, engaged. They were saying, okay, these guys are smooth talkers. They're they're hitting us with a different circumstance. It sounds right. Okay, we'll step that direction. I love what Paul writes in Romans 16, 17. It's the most clear perspective we get with the gospel. It says this, for I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ, Paul is writing, is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes. The Jew first, and also the Gentile. The good news tells us how God makes us right in his sight. This is accomplished from start to finish by faith. As scriptures say it, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. That is a verse that defines the gospel of Jesus. So Paul is breaking it down like this He says, God is holy we are not. We are sinners. We are hopeless sinners. Jesus died. Jesus fills that chasm between us and God. Jesus fills that void. Jesus is the bridge. Jesus is the mediator between us and God. Jesus conquers the grave. Jesus conquers the cross. Death, disease, depression, all the emotions of life can be summed up, put on Jesus and saying he is for us, he's with us, nothing can be against us. And because of that, we have salvation and we have an inheritance. We should celebrate that. We should look at that. We should indulge and in know so much so of who Jesus is in our life. Our kids on Wednesday night, they have a, what we call JBQ. It's Junior Bible. Quiz. Now, it's like a modified Jeopardy for children. That's the best way I can put it. Uh, My son's involved and we took him to one of his meets. And and whenever I hear trivia or Jeopardy, I like kind of take the, I go to the back of the room, like I'm not that, I'm not very good at that. Anybody else relate? Like, you know, you have some people who are like, trivia, sign me up, put me a buzzer, I'll win Jeopardy. We have some people who are like that. I'm not so much. So when I enter this room, all these tables are around, and they got their buzzers, and you see these kids, and they're like in their team uniforms, and it's like one church versus the other church, and we better win, or my kid's not eating kind of thing, you know? And that's where we're at, and so they ask the question, then they buzz the buzzer, and then they respond, and they articulate the passage of Scripture, So my first meet, when my son does decent, I'm like, oh, that's awesome, man. Bodhi's knowing the word of God. But here's the thing. I don't want Bodhi just to know the word of God up here. I want him to know the whole capacity that Jesus, the word of God, that him in his life isn't just cognitively, but it's all knowing. That it's in every fiber, that it's in his heart, it's in his soul. We see this in the Gospel of Luke, in his mind with his strength that he knows the message of Jesus. Who Jesus is for him and how Jesus can lead him in his life. See, knowing God, I, I mean, we can go through and I, I had a best friend in childhood memorized the whole book of Acts. Phenomenal mind. Caught word the other day it's not even attending church. We can know God up here, but not know him in here. We can know Jesus, we can know details, facts about his life, but it's more than that. It's how we express ourselves in our worship. It's how we sing, it's how we pursue, it's how we pray, it's how we meditate on his word. It's the commitment we make to knowing him. It's the disciplines we instill in our lives. Know the message, Paul is saying. So Paul, he looks at this church and he's saying, I'm astonished because I thought you knew that Jesus is more than just somebody that you need to know in your mind, but he's somebody you need to know with your whole being. So even in James 2.19, the brother of Jesus, he writes this, that you believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. See, we can know God cognitively, but do we really know God personally? In our life found in Jesus. My hope for you in 2022 is that you know Jesus in your life in a way you never uh, would have fathomed, thought of, and that you take the step that's even further in your faith journey. Maybe it's signing up for a YouVersion Bible app reading plan. Maybe it's getting together, joining a group, and we'll talk about that in a minute. Maybe it's just looking at life and making it a a discipline of when you're going to engage personally one-on-one with with God so the question is how well do you know the message if there's only one message that matters it's important we know that message number two is this we need to receive the message with others in verse seven Paul clearly states that there is a distortion of that gospel occurring and Paul Paul always writes from this posture of I I I I'm astonished. I'm this. And then he switches it up and he talks about we. And the reason is Paul's addressing his authority. What I'm saying is on behalf of my brothers from this man by the name of Barnabas to these others in Antioch that I'm writing in front of that there's weight here that I'm seeing in front of all these witnesses, pillars of the church, that we need to not only communicate the gospel with others, but we need to also receive it with others, See whenever we come to church, if we 're not actively participating in church, if we 're not getting involved in groups, if we just do church or do our relationship with God one-on-one or by ourselves, okay it leads to isolation into desolation. You need other people in your life to help you comb through some of the questions you have about life there's a lot that we have in life that's swirling around as far as information and messaging. Some of you come from different church backgrounds or maybe no church background or different religion backgrounds. The reason we need to get involved in a group is you're brushing shoulders, you're doing life with somebody and you can talk about some of your questions, some of your doctrine, some of your theology with people that can maybe lead you through those steps, through those questions. That's why I want encourage you right now, faithnfm.com, pull it up. There's a button on there. You can scroll, browse groups, get involved. See what you need to check out. Who do you need to meet? See, Paul, he communicates the we. He talks about the teaching team. It's the we, we, we. Whenever he would go into a town or to a, a place and he would write, he would say, we did this. But then here he goes, you, you need to look, you need to challenge at our communication. And it's not the you as just a singular you. It's a you to a region of churches. Paul's saying when this, this letter passes through modern-day Turkey from one church to the next church to the next church, you need to look at this gospel. You need to study the gospel. You need to study what I preach to you. And he doubles down and he says, if I come back and I preach you something different, don't listen. If an angel comes, says something different, don't listen. See, I love in Acts 17, Dr. Luke, he says this, and we see this affirmation here of looking at what is taught. And the people of Berea were more open-minded than those of Thessalonica, and they listened eagerly to Paul's message. They searched the scriptures day after day to see if Paul and Silas were teaching the truth. So we can't do life alone. Like even, I'd go this far, if you just come to church at 9 o'clock or 1045, you come in, you sit, and then you leave, that's almost like an isolated perspective. You need to brush shoulders. You need to have conversation with somebody about what it is to be a follower of Jesus. I'll encourage you, whatever I teach up here, go back home, read through it. Our notes are posted online. Hey, I have a question about this. Hey, I have a question about this. That is why Dr. Luke is affirming this church of Berea because they were astute students of God's word. Know the message. Acts, or 1 Thessalonians 5.21, Paul goes on, he says this, but test everything that is said. Hold on to what is good. Test everything, hold on to what is good. Receive the gospel with others. You need others to help you comb through it. You can't do life alone, and you can't look at just God's word all by yourself. Three for us. If there's only one message that matters, we need to please God by living out the message. Please God by living out the message. One of the greatest impositions that has ever tattered itself throughout church history or even religion is... uh, this, this idea that you have to work for your salvation. See, Paul comes in and he says, you don't have to work for your salvation. These Judaizers that Paul is saying are distorting the gospel, saying you don't have to work for your salvation. What's taking place is this, that Jesus worked on your behalf for your salvation. Because Jesus went to the cross, you don't have to. Because Jesus took the uh, atoned for your sins, you don't have to. So Paul's addressing this. These Judaizers aren't liking what Paul is saying because they're saying, Paul, you're making it too easy. We call this easy believism. Paul, it's, it's too easy. Like we have to earn our keep in our American mindset, right? We have to earn it and hopefully we'll receive it. When it doesn't happen, that's when things get frustrated, If we are earning something and we don't receive it, we get mad. Paul is saying, you didn't earn it, Jesus did. Now you just need to receive it and let's celebrate that. That's what makes following Jesus so much different than any other religion in the world. Any other uh, aspect or any other deity that is outside of these walls. Buddhism, they they talk about karma. They, They talk about if you do good, you'll receive good. Okay? We, we see this in, in Mormonism. I remember when I was in Las Vegas, these individuals came to my house. It was about 7.30, 8 o'clock at night. These guys came. They're young, uh, like built guys, and they have their cutoff shirt, their black tie, and their van parked in front. And They're like, hey, do you have a moment? I want to talk to you. And I'm like, hey, what do you want to talk about? Knowing exactly where this is going to go. And I'm like, guys, I said, sure, come on in. Uh, hey, Britt, uh, do we have any food for these young men who are working the streets, who are going out, living their life and uh, doing hard. And so we finally get to this conversation. I knew they wanted to talk to me about religion. I said, well, fellas, I'm, I'm a pastor at a local church, Christian church. And we started talking and, and going through it. And I go, hey, and I finally get to this point, I said, fellas, it's Friday night. How old are you, 20, 21. You live in one of the most unique areas of the country. Is this what you wanna be doing at 8.30 at night on a Friday night? There's not maybe a movie you wanna go see, shoot some hoops, play little video games. Like, why are you doing what you're doing? And they go, well, we have to. I scratched my head and ever since that moment, I, I go, well, that's, that's unique. See. I'm grateful there's not a have to in our faith other than receiving Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And it's out of that relationship we can rely on Him and He can live through us and we can form a unique bond and a life path that we never could have envisioned for one another. It's out of what Jesus has done, not what we do. Paul in Galatians, he, he says this in, in verse 10. He says, For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. I would not be a servant of Christ. See, Paul says there's, there's two ways we can go about it. We can be consumed about being accepted by others, or we can be a servant of Jesus, living for him, knowing the message, knowing what he's done in our lives. See, it it does matter what people think of you. We call this reputation, right? You cannot be an effective disciple if people don't like you. You cannot be someone that helps and furthers the mission of the church if people don't like you or if you had a bad reputation. But the challenge becomes this, when we focus on being liked over living for Jesus. When we live for Jesus, we are practically saying, I'm a servant of Jesus. We live out the message by living like him. Luke 10, Jesus tells this parable. There's this priest, there's this Levite, there's this Samaritan. Now there's this man who's hurt on the side of the road, the priest who everybody thought should help the man on the side of the road, walks on the other side. The Levite, same kind of thing, walks on the other side of the road. And then this Samaritan, a man from a different culture, shouldn't have associated with the man that's beaten down, broken, and uh, comes over and helps the man, goes, takes him to the next city, gives him some coins, pays for him to be healed and mended and cared to. Living like Jesus is practical. See, knowing is also showing. So I'm going to give you some practical ways as we close this morning, and there's practical ways we can live like Jesus. And we'll talk about this a little bit more next week is followers of Jesus are the hardest workers. If you're a Christian, you have a job, you are the hardest worker in your industry. I fundamentally believe that. There is um, this moment in my, my time, I'll share a little bit more next week, but moment of the time I, I was mowing lawns from a very young age very young age fifth grade my dad would take me up and 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 drop me off at a house and I'd have a little push more there's moments where the weeds were as tall as me and I'd be pushing and the, the lawnmower would stall out and and I would hate the thing and I'd be yelling at myself I'm like dad this is ridiculous I'm spending four hours to make 25 bucks that's terrible economics I'm not gonna do it right. There's one moment this lady's having me mow her lawn and I'm like, I'm done halfway through. The thing kept stalling out. She didn't care. I'm hitting plastic toys along the way. And my father brings me back and he's like, you're gonna finish this lawn and make it look good like it's been mowed for the past summer every week. I said, why am I doing that? He said, because we serve Jesus. So all the time when we're serving Jesus, we're the hardest workers. You're speaking into someone's life and saying, we serve because we work unto God practical, living out what it means to follow Jesus. When we know the message, we're the hardest workers in the industry. When we know the message, we worship passionately. Like we, we get more excited like when the, I have to make sure, I have to temper myself here because the Cincinnati Bengals are in the playoffs and I get excited Like, I'm an exciting guy, like, let's go! Come on, we can do it! But here's the thing, sometimes in our NFL teams, we get more mad yelling at the TV, cheering on our TV, than when we come to the church and we're worshiping the great creator I am. Like, oh yeah, love Jesus. I mean, that's why I love Pastor Steph and the worship team. I mean, he's like grooving, he's like, woo, like, let's go! Sometimes we just walk around, hands in our pocket, it is what it is. Followers worship. We clap, we shout, we get excited, we're thrilled because we know the life-changing message of Jesus. Followers see a need and meet a need. I shared this with First Service a couple weeks ago. I was walking through this back hall uh, under our, our uh, state. Uh, bleacher area, and I see a piece of paper, and, and I make mistakes. My wife, she would affirm that, uh, and I'm walking through this back hall, and I know it's, it's Saturday night, and I know we have a janitorial crew coming. And I see this piece of paper. I'm tired. I was doing something that day, and I look, and I, and I see it, and, and I walk by it, and I had this distinct thought, uh, the janitorial crew will get it. I left home that, that whole week convicted. I saw a need. I didn't meet the need. So when we practically live like Jesus, we see a need and we meet the, then we meet the need. I should have been over, picked up that piece of paper, that scrap of paper, put it in the trash can. I was tired, didn't feel like it, didn't think it was my job. So when we always think it's someone else's job, the ball gets dropped. We own the responsibility when it comes to following Jesus. We live like Jesus. Paul says, I am a servant of Jesus. Followers lead with generosity. When we live like Jesus, we lead with generosity. I, I mentioned earlier about those stats when it comes to knowing God's word. Bible users who find that the Bible is transformative in their life because it carries a message about Jesus, teaches us about Jesus, they give $500 per year. So if you're studying the Word, if you believe that Jesus is the Lord, leader of your life, and you're really committed, you on average get $500 a year. I don't know if that's true. Here exactly, I don't personally look at any of that, but I do know this. This research group, they also did another look. They said disengaged followers disengaged followers. People say, yeah, I I look at the Bible, I I look at it when I can, I go to church when I can. They give on average $10 a year. See, practically living like Jesus means that we are generous. I think I read one stat one time that the average church, okay, if a tithe is 10%, okay, the American church gives only 1.8% as a totality, meaning that the American church isn't even meeting the tithe, what is rightfully God's? Kind of fascinating, kind of unique when you look at some of these things, because when we live like Jesus, we live generous. We say, hey, we wanna leave a legacy, we wanna be a generational church, we wanna care about the next who is coming up, not about what's in it for me. And then followers, they're proactive and not reactive. We're proactive, not reactive. Men, you are called to create. You are called to produce. You are called to go. If you're always waiting for someone to tell you and get moving on, you're never going to make it happen. And there's no perfect lady that's going to come into your life and say, "Hey, uh, I'm going to lead you to go get a job. I'm going to lead you to do what you're supposed to do." See, men, we're proactive. We're we're creators like we were originally designed to be. We're proactive, not reactive. So here's my hope for you as we wrap up this morning. See the message, the word of God, it changes lives because it carries the person who changes lives. So our worldview isn't mixed with culture and then we see where it fits in, but our foundation is the Bible and we go from there. What's the Bible say? What's the message? What's Jesus about? How's Jesus leading me? That's where we start. And then we say, okay, how's this fitting? How am I supposed to treat my friends, my neighbors, love God, love people? How am I supposed to live out my life? How am I supposed to lead my families? How am I supposed to pursue my career? So we go with the Bible. In 2022, may you receive the Bible in a way, may it reveal, illuminate in your heart in a way you never could even imagine. So our hope for you, when it comes to it, is number one that you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, because that's what the Bible's about. Know the message. Know who's given us the greatest words, who've displayed the greatest life-saving salvation in our lives. And number two, maybe you've have a relationship with Jesus, but as teaching our culture course, growth track, I wanna encourage you, there can always be another level that you can know God in a way that you've never even imagined. So in 2022, make a commitment to know God's word to the next level. Church, we need to know this message because the message the world has for us, it's sad, it's confusing, it's heartbreaking. know this, we have hope, we have love, we have mercy, we have grace. So I want to encourage you as we wrap up this morning and we sing a moment to reflect, God, what are you speaking to me right now? Let's pray and then we're all going to stand together and sing. If you'll bow your heads with me. Lord, right now I pray for those individuals who are in this place or are being led right now to maybe an area of maybe conviction or uh, a place they need to see and look at in their lives but God ultimately the world has a message for us messages but there's only one message that really matters and that's your gospel that's the good news of Jesus that brings forth an inheritance Lord as Paul keeps coming back to it and keeps encouraging us and his readers may we do that Lord May we begin a relationship with you. May we always, always desire to know you in a way we did it yesterday. God, I pray for those in this room watching online. May you bless their lives. May you encourage them, lead them, and may they focus their lives around knowing the greatest message of all time. That's your gospel and no other. In your great name we all say, amen. Hey, thanks for listening today. If you have any questions or would like to speak to someone concerning this message, we invite you to fill out our online communication card at faithnfm.com. And if you're able, we'd love to have you with us in person on Sundays at 9 a.m. or 1045 a.m. or on the best night of the week for Wednesday prayer at 7 p.m. We're at 7101 Bayshore Road in North Fort Myers, just two miles west of of I-75 at exit 143. Thanks again for listening.